0: Like, did anyone move at all? Jack did. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Well, good morning, everyone. I said good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you. It always takes two times. Always. I will say you guys confuse me, though. Like, half the time, everyone's over here. And the other half the time, everyone's over here. And it's like, the camera's over there, but no one's over there. I mean, there's like two people. And then everyone, well. It is what it is. I'm excited today uh, because not only are we starting our discussion groups, something new, starting small groups right after the message today, we're starting a brand new series. So this series is going to take place over a number of weeks and I'm pumped about it because uh, for for a number of reasons, but I'll tell you whenever we get there. So before we jump into that, everything's online, connection cards, giving, everyone in here, you guys know this. Uh, There's also uh, generosity envelopes uh, at the coffee counter if you want to give that way. Most everything is done online. Connection cards, the blue cards are on the table in front of you or on the table next to your chair. If you're watching us online, everything's at our website, vintrustful.com. You can go there. Uh, We do use the connection cards every week to apply what God talked to us about during the message. So we'll do that again today. Uh, Now one slight difference, we always do a song at the end of the message uh, to kind of reflect and respond to it. But today we're not doing that because we're going to jump right into small groups. Uh, And since it's our first time doing small groups, I wanted to give a little bit more time for the explanation and all that. Chase is going to come up and give us direction at the end. Uh, But then, just so you know, we'll do songs at the end of the message, starting next week on, like we normally do, kind of give us time to to respond in worship. But today, like I said, we are starting a new series that I'm calling Greatest Hits. So, uh, I don't know about you, but I love Greatest Hits albums. Like anytime a band has been around for a long time and then they produce like a greatest hits album, I always love it. Because on every album that a band produces, there's like two or three great songs and then a bunch of okay songs. So when you put the greatest hits all together, it's like, oh man, this is like the good stuff. And uh, over 2020, you know, artists weren't traveling around. They weren't doing live shows. So a lot of them had a bunch of time on their hands. So there was a lot of new music produced and all that. But some of them didn't produce anything new. They just produced their old stuff over again. And uh, one of my children the other day asked me, like, why did, you know, so-and-so just reap... Well, T-Swizzle, right? Taylor Swift. Like, why did Taylor Swift just put out her old album again? I said, more money. Like, that's why. Because now everyone's listening to the old songs again. They all sound the exact same as they did. But I love greatest hits albums for a couple of reasons. One, they're the good stuff. But also... Whenever you re-listen to something that maybe you've heard previously, sometimes you learn something new, you gain a new perspective. Other times it just reminds you of something you already knew. Well, there's all these scripture verses that we see all around us. Like we see them on word signs when you walk into Hobby Lobby. You know, you see them on people's Instagram posts. They're on your little posted sticky calendar notes, you know, and sometimes we these, we become so familiar with these most popular verses that we don't necessarily teach on them, preach on them because we feel like everybody knows about them. Or, or even just as we're living life, we, we glance at them like, oh, yeah, I know that. But we don't take time to think and ponder and meditate. Why is that one of the most popular verses? Why is that one of the things that we see everywhere that, that we know and we, we have it memorized? Is it just because it's catchy or because it has a deeper meaning? So we're going to look back over, oops, sorry about that. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look back at some of the most well-known, most popular scriptures in the Bible, but we're going to take a deep dive into each one, and hopefully either learn something new, gain a new perspective, or maybe just be reminded of something we already knew that we're not doing, and it's just a matter of being reminded so that we start that practice once again. So today, the title is Be Still and Know, and this comes from Psalm 46, 10, which says, Be still and know and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's one of the greatest hits, one of the most well-known verses. Walk in any Christian bookstore and you're going to see this all over the place. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. So today, we're going to break this verse down and we're going to go through it step by step and take a deep look at each one of these phrases. And why is this one of the most well-known verses? So the first thing is, be still. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Just be still. I'd encourage you to write it on different lines, so it takes on different meaning and takes on maybe a, a, a deeper, a deeper understanding of it. What does it mean to be still? Being still means mind, body, soul, spirit stopping and being still. It doesn't just mean physically being still. It means mentally, emotionally. Being still. Being still before God. You know, one of our kids is like Brooke, and they have this ability to wake up in the morning, and as soon as they wake up, they are ready to have, like, full-on conversations. Then the other four of us are the opposite. We need a little bit of time. Like, we need some time. Like, when we wake up, it's like, I don't really want to talk to anybody for at least 15 minutes and after 15 minutes, I'm going to give you one-word answers. Maybe after an hour, we can have a little bit of a conversation, but we're not making decisions. Well, one of our kids, who's, a, who's much more of a morning person, this past Tuesday, he was up, and he was just excited about life. And we sit down at the breakfast table, and I'm eating my breakfast, and he's just like, Dad, Dad, and he just starts talking, like all this stuff, like going 90 to nothing, all these things. And I was like, bud, bud, can, can, we, just, can we just sit and be still just for a moment? and he's sitting in the chair, and his leg's like pounding, and he's like, it's like, I am, I am, I'm still. I'm like, you are anything but still, my friend. Like, you are sitting, but you are not still. I think sometimes when we come before God in prayer, that's the way we approach our time with him. We're sitting, and we're like, I'm sitting, so I'm being still before God. But everything else is just in motion. The mind is running, the, the emotions are going, the, the heart, the soul's thinking, about it. we're planning, all, all this stuff is happening, and we're not being completely, totally still. Why why is it so difficult for us to be still? I think there's a number of reasons it's, it's difficult for us. Partly is our culture. Our culture has fed us a lie, that and the lie is if you're still, you're unproductive, and if you're unproductive, it's wrong. There's this idea that if you're not doing something, if you're not in motion, creating, producing, doing something, then what you're doing is wrong. Being still, being completely and totally still is viewed as a negative. There's actually a whole lot of science out there. Uh, I don't want to get into it because I'm a nerd and I could get into it for a while. There's all kinds of science about the loss of deep thought in our culture. Because we don't sit still long enough to have a deep internal meditative type thought process anymore. Because everything's in constant motion. It's in constant. We're going this place. We're going that place. We're going. What? What more can I squeeze in and fit in to this moment? So when we come and it's time to sit before the Lord and it's time to pray, to meditate on Scripture, to, to ponder, we we feel bad if we've sat there for too long. And some of us that means we feel bad if we sat there for five minutes. Because the boss is waiting, the, the day is waiting, the task is waiting. Some of us, that means 15, or 30, whatever it may be. We feel bad because this, this time it can be seen as unproductive. Even when we walk into prayer, hear me on this, when we walk into prayer, if we don't immediately start talking, we feel like we're wasting that time. Well, okay, it's my prayer time. I'm going to get down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready, all right, I'm praying. all right. Boom! Here's my list. God, I pray that you do this. Pray that you do this, and like go down boom, 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 the list. And I'm going to read scripture. Like, ooh, those are good. Ooh, that's good. Take some notes, and then I'm off and I'm gone. When was the last time you just sat completely still? Didn't talk? Didn't pray? Didn't ask God for anything? Didn't worship Him for anything? Didn't read scripture? Didn't journal? Just sat still. Completely and totally still. The verse says, "Be still." When was the last time you were just still? Why is it so hard? Our culture has given us this lie that if we're still, we're unproductive, and it's wrong. Another thing, screens. I mean, screens are great. I'm not going to stand up here and say, like, screens are terrible. I use screens all the time. I use a computer screen. That's how I provide for my family is I work a job using a computer screen. I got a phone, and it's made me a lot more productive, and the screen. You know, I love movies. I just, I love watching movies. I love them. I love TV shows. I haven't seen the new Falcon and Winter Soldier yet, so don't tell me the ending, but I'm excited to watch it later today. I like screens. Screens serve a purpose, but because of all the screens that we have, it's harder for us to sit still because we have direct access to everything at all times. Like before, all the screens, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, you know, you didn't sit in front of the TV, but even if going beyond the TV, when you went into your prayer time, you didn't carry a computer in your pocket that was constantly going off that you could do a whole bunch of things with. Now we have all these screens everywhere that it really impedes our ability to be completely and totally still. Another reason it's so difficult to be completely still is uh, as a culture and as a society, we have no value for stillness. Going beyond that, well, we think we're guilty and wrong, we don't place, we we have no value for that. We don't place a value on, have you sat still and just been at peace? It says, be still. Why is being still beneficial? Well, it's beneficial for uh, whenever we're still, it allows us to be fully present in a moment. I'm sure all of us have had this uh, experience where you're sitting around the table with your family, a coworker, a friend, you've been at church with your kids, and you're talking to someone, but you're not really there. You're mentally somewhere else. You're mentally in a different place. You're mentally doing something else. You're to-do, whatever. There's, there's, you're thinking, pondering something else. Whenever we're still, completely and totally still, it allows us to be fully present in the moment. Sometimes, If we are not fully still, we're never fully present because we have to be fully still to be fully present. Being still helps us discover our identity. When we're fully still before the Lord and we've let everything else go is a time where we can hear the whispers of God. When everything else is quiet is a time where He can whisper and He can pour into us our identity and who we are. Because when we're still before God, we can't find our identity in what we're producing because we're not producing anything. We can't find our identity in our talents and our abilities because we're not using those. We're just being still. And so what happens is we can discover our identity in God and being just a child of God. Because in that moment when we're still before him, there's nothing but us in him. Whenever we're still, it's also a time where we can identify unhealthy and negative patterns in our because sometimes when we're not still, we just go from one thing to the next. We don't realize the cycles, the patterns that we, we've fallen into that are not healthy and that are negative for our life. But whenever we're still, we can begin to identify those things because we have the mental space to allow the Holy Spirit to help us, guide us, and shape us. He says, be still. You know, when we look at Scripture, Elijah, Moses, David, Daniel... I mean, the list could go on and on and on and on of the people who regularly spent time in stillness before the Lord. Even all those biblical characters, there's another one that I think we even get our cue from uh, more so, and that's Jesus. Because Jesus was the very Son of God. He was fully God and fully man, yet Jesus regularly went out by himself and spent time alone in stillness with his Father. He had been in uh, complete unity with the Father since before creation. But when he came to earth and was in the form of a man, he knew that he needed to be in complete unity with his Father in stillness and in silence alone while he was on this earth. What that tells us is that being still before God is not a one-time thing. Well, I did it 15 years ago, and so I'm good. It is to be a regular practice in our lives. Not a one-and-done, but a constant, ongoing sit-still before God. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Luke writes, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He often, it wasn't every now and then, it was common enough that Luke needed to write often. You know, there are stories of Jesus doing it in the morning time. He'd wake up early in the morning and go be with the Father alone. Sometimes it was in the midday. Sometimes it was at night. Sometimes it was for uh, two or three days at a time. Sometimes it was for 40 days at a time. Where he just got away and he was alone with God. He was still with the Father. Not only did Jesus do it, but Jesus taught us to do it when talking about prayer. He says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Here we see Jesus equates stillness, silence, aloneness with God with rewards from the Father. So Get away. Get alone. Shut the door. Get by yourself in private and be still before God. So if it's difficult to be still, but we're supposed to be still before God, how do we do this? Like How do we practically begin to be still before God? Well, the first thing is we have to believe it's essential. We have to internally believe that it is essential for our survival on earth. It is essential for our mental, spiritual health to be still before God. Because if we don't believe it's essential, we're just not going to do it. Because everything in our culture, everything in our life is telling us to not do it. Everything is pulling us away. This time that you have, that 30 minutes, you're just going to go sit in silence? You could be mowing the grass. You could be doing the dishes. You could be writing that next report. You could be doing this. If we don't believe that it is absolutely essential, we're not going to do it. So first thing is we have to believe it's essential. And then, how do we do this? Pick a certain time of the day, just practically. Pick a time of the day that works for you and do it at that time of the day. You know, for me, it's shifted a lot over the years. The right time of the day to be still before God has changed. You know, uh, when I was younger, it was at night. It was before I went to bed. And then I got older, and I started falling asleep because I was too tired at the end of the day, so I had to change it. You know, and then for a long time, it was over my lunch hour. I would do it at lunchtime. And then it was at morning time. It started being really early in the morning for a number of, I mean, a couple years, it was super early in the morning. When I say super early, I mean like pre-six o'clock. And some of you, that's like normal. To me, that's like ungodly. Like, what's the point of waking up before 6 a.m.? I just don't see the point. But I did it for a long time because that's what worked really well for me. So there's not this perfect time of the day. What time of the day, what, what, the best time of the day is whatever works for you best. I think it's healthy to pick the best time of the day where you, where you, where you have the highest mental function. Is it time to spend with God? You know, there's this whole, like, we give God our best, we give God our first, and we talk about that with giving and tithing and all that. But that's the, the same can be true of our day. What's the best, most productive mental time in, of your day? Take that time and take 15 to 30 minutes and spend it with God during that time. If that's at 10 a.m., take your lunch break at 10 a.m you know, and spend that time with God. And then when your lunch break rolls around, eat a protein bar. I found a really good one a couple of weeks ago. No one likes it but me, but I think it's awesome. But whatever time works best for you, that's the best time. So we got to believe it's essential and then pick a day, or pick a time of the day that works for you. Go away alone and shut the proverbial door. You know, you might not be able to shut the door completely and get into a, a closet, you know. Jesus isn't saying if you're not standing in a closet in the dark or kneeling in a closet, that's not going to work. The, the point is, Getting away alone and shutting out the distractions. You know, I've been in the middle of a coffee a coffee shop with my headphones in and been completely alone, even though there's people all around me, sitting in stillness before God. You know, my uh, advice would be if you're going to listen to music, is listen to instrumental music, because there's music with words. You'll naturally just start singing the words or thinking about the words. Just to be sitting still before God. I mean, Bethel music uh, have some great. Uh, instrumental music called Without Words uh, New Life Worship has one called Soak like they're great and it's just worship music with no words at all and it's wonderful to just sit and allow to just wash over the, the, the moment and be still before God so we're sitting still we're alone we've picked the time of the day we we're believing it's essential and then put your phone on do not disturb like it's funny but it's so true when I'm sitting still, it doesn't matter if my phone is on silent. If it starts vibrating, I'm thinking about it. Oh, what was that text? What was that? Was that an email? Was that a chat? Was like somebody wanting me at work? Was somebody doing this? Like, was that Brooke? Does she need something? It's, like, just put it on Do Not Disturb. And then if you are married, make sure that your spouse on your phone, you can set it where if she calls twice, it actually rings, okay? Just another piece of advice. So your wife's not, I've been calling for 30 minutes, and the kid's in the hospital. That would be bad. Didn't happen, but it could Put it on Do Not Disturb. And then, after all these things, and we're finally still, think about God. Just think about God. Sometimes, when I'm sitting completely still, and I'm silent, and I'm just with God, I'm not thinking of anything. Sometimes, I start to think about God. I start to think about things that God has done, things that God wants to do. All this stuff, That if I was reading, I was praying, I was doing my, I wouldn't have thought of any of this. I just sat and thought about God. Because he says, we're to be still and know that he is God. Look what David writes in Psalm 131 Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. What an interesting concept. I, just, I don't concern myself with things that are too big for me to grasp. He goes on. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. I've calmed and quieted myself. Other versions talk about how he says, I've told my soul to be still. I've calmed and I've quieted myself. And then listen to this. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David equates silence Stillness with maturity. He equates the ability to be calmed and quieted within himself, in his soul, with maturity. He says, "I'm no longer like a child that's constantly crying for my mother's milk." saying, "No, no, I've grown into maturity, and a part of maturity is being able to be still. Maybe the next step in your spiritual maturity is taking on a new practice of being still. He says, "Be still." and know. Be still, and know. Here's the thing about knowing. Knowing is deeper than thinking. We don't think that God is God. We know that God is God. Knowing is deeper than thinking. Thinking is circumstantial. Knowing is unwavering. You know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but my wife, she really loves me. She really loves me. I don't think that she loves me. I know that she loves me. I know that I know that I know, without a doubt, that she loves me. And I could sit here, and I could list all the good things that she does for me, all the considerate things that she does for me, and I could tell you all the the things that she's done over the 16 and a half or 17 years or whatever it is we've been together. I was including dating in that. We've been married for 15 and a half. I know my anniversary. But, uh, The the, the entire time, I could list all the things that she's done, but I don't have to because I have no, I I feel no need to justify to you that my wife loves me because I just know it. I know it on the deepest level. We're to be still and know on the deepest level that he is God. Not think that he is God, but know it so deep that no matter what happens, no matter what comes at us in life, no matter how difficult the circumstance may be, no matter how hopeless the situation may be, we can know that we know That he's God. Know it on the deep, not just think it, but know he's God. Sometimes the deep knowing of God only comes when we've taken the time to be still. We've taken the times to quiet and calm our souls and be still before God. What do we know? We know that he is Be still and know, not think, but know that I am, that he is God. Here's the thing. No one and nothing else is God. God knows all. He is all. He sees all. Why do we constantly look to other things and other people for the things that only God can truly give? Why do we look elsewhere for identity, for validation, for self-esteem, for guidance, for direction, for provision. Why do we look all these other places for the things that only God can provide? We are to be still and know that He is God. I'm not God. That means it's not on me to provide for myself and my family. That's on God. It's not on me to know all the the deep uh, uh, knowledge and and all the vastness of the the world and the politics and the universe. I don't have to know all that. God does. I just trust Him. I'm going to be still and know that He, and not me, and not you, and not my parents, and not my pastor, nobody else is God. Only God is God. On Friday night, we were... uh, Driving to a city we had never been in. We were going to Lincoln, Alabama, which I don't know if you've never been there. It's like outside of Pell City. And we went to this baseball park, super nice baseball park. Like we were in, we, were, we loved it. There's a playground there, like the little kids could play and all that if they were with us. And we were going to uh, our son's baseball game. He was in this tournament. But from our house, we live over uh, in Carrington side of Trustville. And so it took us this back way to, to Lincoln. And uh, we're following the GPS. And, I mean, I have no earthly idea where we are. I mean, if the GPS would have stopped working, we would have been completely and totally lost. We would have had no idea. Because we're on this back road, like going up and down, and it's dark, and we're turning there, and then it's like, in 2.2 miles, turn right. And then it's like, in 700 feet, make a sharp left. And then 200 feet, make a right. And then there's going to be a lady standing there with a cup of coffee. Just kidding. But it's like, the GPS lady, like she knew everything. She knew it all. And guess what? I trusted her. I really put my faith and my trust in GPS lady. And she was right. She got us there. I trusted her to know what I don't know. I didn't know how to get there. She knew how to get us there, and she got us there. She delivered. Her name is Siri, and she was wonderful to us. She was kind. She knew, but we didn't. Here's the thing. God knows what we don't know. You know, last week, Josh, that was awesome, man. Last week was awesome. If you missed it, uh, I'd encourage you to watch it online or listen to podcasts. Like Josh did a great job talking about waiting on the Lord. And uh, he, he of everything he talked about, I mean, there's just so many things that were wonderful and deep. But there was this one moment where there was this quiet nod to the Mandalorian, and it was awesome. He said, this is the way. <laughs> you haven't watched the Mandalorian? That's okay. I was like, that's awesome. Here's the thing. Siri knew the way. And she got us there. God knows the way. He's going to get you there. Whenever I looked up on the map and it said, here's your route. Here's my house. Here's the field. I could see the end result, but I did not know how to get myself to the end result. As believers who follow Jesus, we know the end result is heaven. We get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. We do not know how we are going to get there. We don't know every step in every turn, but God knows the way. He knows the way. We're to be still and know that He is God. We're not God. He is God. He knows the way. Psalm 62. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. Now why are we waiting quietly before God? Because our hope is in Him. Our hope is in, not in our ability. It's not in our strength. Our hope is in him. He alone, God alone is our rock. God alone is our salvation. He alone is our fortress. He, is the, he alone is our fortress where we will not be shaken. If we think we are our own fortress, we will be shaken. There will be things in life that happen and it will shake us to our core. But if God is our fortress, we will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy and reach me. You know, every now and then uh, we have three boys, and every now and then our boys are boys, and boys, you know, they're boys, and they do things that boys do. And every now and then, the two older ones convinced the younger one of something completely and totally false. Every now and then, they convince him something dumb, and he's terrified. Like he's he's terrified. Like something bad's gonna happen. And then uh, the other day, like Griffin, our young he, he, Griffin was freaking out. And I'm like, what's going on? And he, I don't even remember exactly. He was like telling me this. And I was like, Ethan said, and then Nolan said, and then Ethan. I was like, hey, bud, they're lying to you. <laughs> like, they're playing a joke on you. This is not true. It's not going to happen. Everything's fine. And he's like, really? Like, and I said, like, yes, bud. From now on, if they tell you something and you don't believe it, and believe me, don't believe everything they tell you, come to dad, and I'll tell you the truth. I won't play any tricks on you. I'll tell you the truth. So many times, we, we're, we're scared, we're afraid, we're nervous, we're anxious, and we go everywhere else, but to the only one who's going to tell us the truth, the only one who knows the way, which is the Father. We're to be still and know that He is God. That He is God. Be still and know that I am God. He's God, the creator of the universe. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh. He is God, my provider. He is the Lord, my provision. He is the Lord, my banner. He is God. See, there's been this, uh, this plan of God's from the beginning of creation when he set Adam and Ar- Adam and, what Adam and Eve in the garden. Didn't say that right. When he set Adam and Eve in the garden, there was this masterful plan of God. It was to redeem all of humanity so that Jesus would come down you know, the cross so that we could be safe for eternity. But also a part of this plan was God was going to progressively reveal himself to his people. In the very beginning, in the first few chapters of Genesis, he revealed himself as one thing. And then when Moses came on the scene and Moses is going to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, God revealed himself again a greater capacity in Exodus chapter two, uh, 6, verse 2. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but now I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. See, God revealed himself to the the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as God Almighty, but then he reveals himself in a greater capacity to Moses and tells them his name, which is Yahweh. Then what happens? Jesus comes to earth and God reveals himself as God the Son, the Savior, the Messiah of, of, of all. Then what happens? Jesus dies, ascends, and then the Holy Spirit comes and he reveals himself to us in a new and a fresh way as a friend who sticks closer than a brother, someone that's with us every single moment of every day, who's in us and with us, who leads us in all truth, who guides us every moment of every single day. See, God wants to progressively reveal himself not only to creation, not only to his people, but to you personally. He wants to show you more and more of himself. More and more of his power, of his character, of his love, his grace, his heart for others. He wants to show you himself. Be still and know that he is God. It's when we're still before him and everything else is quieted, everything else is gone, that God shows up and reveals himself in greater ways than you knew him before. But we got to get alone and we got to be still so that we can know that we know that we know that we are not God, that He is God. He's the creator of the universe, the author of all life, the sustainer of all life, the Savior of all of us, the the, the forgiver of our sins. He is the only true God. And in all that God is, God Almighty, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, and all that he is, all-knowing and all-powerful, he's invited every single one of us into an intimate personal relationship where he will just sit next to us and whisper in our ear. And that's what he wants to do. It's really hard to hear the whisper if we're not still and we're not silent. So He says, be still and know that I am God. Usually we in with a song but today uh, actually earlier in the week I was preparing the talk and I sent a song to the worship team I was like hey let's, let's do this song at the end and then right away I text back never mind we're not doing a song at the end I forgot uh, but I would encourage you there's a song that just came out I don't know a few weeks ago called Gyra incredible song the words are, are beautiful I would encourage you this week maybe if you're having a hard time being still Listen to this song, right before and then turn it off and just be still. The very first verse, uh, Chandler Moore says this one line. He says, I wasn't holding you up so I could never let you down. I think so many times we're afraid to be still before God because we think we've let him down. We think, well, I've made mistakes, I messed up, I lied, I sinned, I cheated, I lust, whatever. Like I messed up, and I've let God down. So we're afraid to just be still because we're afraid of what God's going to say. Here's the thing, we weren't holding God up, so we, we don't let him down. When we sin, when we mess up, he says, I know, that's why I sent Jesus. Would you close your eyes this morning as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace. We thank you that when we are still before you, you reveal yourself to us in grace and in truth. God, I pray that each and every one of us take some moments today or this week to be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you grab your connection card this morning? On the back side of that connection card, it says, my next right step this week, I will. If you would write on that card what it is you're going to apply to your life, you can do it now or maybe you want to do that after we meet in groups and talk, you can do that as well. We want to know about it so we can be praying for you. And uh, online, we love you guys, and we will see you later. And then I'm going to invite Chase up to give us direction from here on out.